Welcome to another edition of Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing the region's economy. Today is November 12th. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined today by Patrick Jankowski, Senior Vice President of Research at the Partnership. In this episode, we're talking about the potential impact of the recent election on the Houston economy, and we're providing an update, as we always do, on the coronavirus and where we are likely headed. Patrick, uh, thank you for joining me today. AJ, it's always good to talk to you. Patrick, as I said, as we often do in these episodes, we, we want to begin with the discussion of where we are with the virus. We now appear to be in the thick of what's been referred to as the second wave. What are we seeing around the world and here in the Houston region? Okay, so this data is as of November 11th. Worldwide, 52 million cases, 1.2 million deaths. People are dying at the rate of 10,000 a day. Uh, Let's just drill that down to the U.S. The U.S., we have 10.4 million cases as of November 11th. To kind of put that in perspective, it's a big number, but that's like one in every 32 Americans has come down with the COVID disease, the COVID virus. Uh, yesterday, there were 143,000 new cases. If you go back just exactly one month ago, there were only 45,000 new cases. If you go back to April 11th, when we thought that was the worst part of the pandemic, there were only 32,000 cases. So you can see the case count is about over four times what it was at the first wave when we thought it was absolutely the horrible and the worst it could get. Right now, we've recorded 241,000 deaths in the U.S. We're on track to have about 260,000 deaths by the end of November. You know, if we keep up this pace, we will see over 375,000 people die from COVID virus when we get to the first anniversary of the outbreak. You know, 375,000, that's it's a big number. Try to put that in perspective. In the U.S., only 150,000 people a year die from a stroke or or only 160,000 die from some sort of respiratory disease. About 600,000 die from cancer. So kind of let you know just how serious this is. We're much worse than incidents of stroke, respiratory diseases, or diabetes. Not quite as bad as cancer, but in a way, this virus is a, is a cancer on society. We need to do something with it. You know, in, in Texas, you know, we always like to say we're, we're proud things are bigger in Texas. Well, we can claim that with COVID. We were the first state to hit 1 million cases. I mean, that's, that's absolutely appalling. Now, to put that in perspective, that's like one in every 28 residents in the state has come down with the virus. It's getting to where people are, are starting to know people have come down to the virus and people are starting to know people who have died of the virus. It's no longer just something that you see on the news. Yeah, the impact is incredible here in Texas and, as you said, around the world. And yet what we're seeing is people are, are perhaps in some ways taking this a little less seriously than they were in the beginning. And that's the unfortunate reality, right? Yes, yeah, so we're talking about COVID fatigue there. I think everyone was willing to stay locked down for a little while, but, but people aren't willing to be locked down anymore. Uh, it, it's just people, it's like when you and I first started this podcast, it's, oh, AJ, it's so great to see you. you know, here I am sitting at home uh, trying to stay socially isolated, and I'm not getting the interaction. A lot of people aren't getting the interaction. Right. And, and that's what's driving up the case is people are relaxed, letting down their guard, and people are going out uh, in, in public and family gatherings, all those sort of things that we're hearing about on the news. Yeah. Patrick, I think the big question in everyone's mind, given the events of the last week and a half, is how the administration of President-elect Joe Biden might impact the trajectory of the Houston economy, the broader economy, and in perhaps even the virus. Certainly, you know, much remains to be seen regarding the agenda 
And a lot will certainly depend on the eventual makeup of the Senate and other things. But what do you think we can expect in the big picture? Well, it's, it's been pretty obvious that President-elect Biden is going to make the COVID his top priority. He's already put together this 12-person task force. And that's so important because dealing with COVID and having an economic recovery go hand in hand, we will not see a full recovery until we get the COVID virus under control. Drill down a little bit more specific things related to Houston. Uh, Biden says he wants to expand the Affordable Care Act. That's really important in Houston because there are 1.4 million Houstonians who do not have health insurance. There is concern about President Biden. President-elect Biden says he, he plans to raise taxes on anyone earning over 400000 a year. That's a very small part of Houston's population. I can't get the exact numbers, but I do know that uh, almost 90% of Houston's population earns less than 200000 So we're, we're looking at, well, less than 10% of Houston's population, probably less than 5% of Houston's population would be affected by that. We are going to see, hopefully, a stimulus package come out. Uh, a stimulus package to help the economy continue to, to, to recover. You yeah. know, the first, first stimulus package we passed, that was supposed to be a bridge to get us from one side of COVID to the other side of COVID, thinking that by the summer, this thing would be over with and would be growing again. You know, there's that movie out there, A Bridge Too Far. Well, I guess the stimulus package was a bridge not far enough. Mm. We're going to need something to, to replace the pullback in consumer spending and the pullback in business spending, which is taking place. Uh, we'll probably see an infrastructure package come out of Congress sometime next year. That would be good for Houston, considering all the engineering and construction firms. Trade, very important to Houston's economy. We know that roughly 18% of Houston's economy is tied to exports. President Biden has, has come out and said he recognizes that China is a problem. So we're not going to see much of a, we might see a tuning down of the rhetoric, but we're not going to be seeing a pulling back of the policies. Also, frankly, President-elect Biden had a lot of support from the unions, and the unions feel that they've gotten a raw deal from China. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's no going back on that, especially I think everyone recognizes and agrees the problems we've had with intellectual property dealing with the Chinese. On the other hand, I think uh, with the other trade agreements we had, I think President Biden is going to be more engaging with the allies and won't be so uh, reactionary on that. Okay. You know, one thing that I didn't hear you talk about in that whole description of where Biden's headed is energy. And obviously energy is very important to Houston. So what do you think we can expect from a Biden administration on energy? Gosh, you couldn't let me sneak by without bringing it up. <laughs> uh, energy is one area that I do have concern with the Biden administration. Uh, one thing, he is going to put us back into the Paris Climate Agreement. I, I don't have a problem with that. But a lot of things that he will be doing could potentially have an impact on the energy industry. And it depends upon how you look at it. I mean, we'll see negotiations for new mileage and emission rules on vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a, a slowing or a halting of the leasing of, of drilling rights on federal lands and in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, there's going to be in, in, increased scrutiny of pipelines. It's going to be even harder to get a pipeline built. Uh, there are going to be stricter regulations on methane emissions. I mean, these are all things that, that need to be done to protect the climate, but it also will have the potential impact of affecting the oil and gas industry in Houston and in Texas. One good thing, though, I do need to point out is that it will be difficult for Biden to stop any sort of fracking on private lands. He can issue regulations to stop drilling uh, and fracking on federal lands, but there's almost no drilling going on on federal lands in Texas. That's because there's almost no federal land in Texas. Mm. It goes all the way back to when Texas joined the union. Texas was an independent nation. It was not a territory. Right. Joined the union by treaty. I'm going back to 1845 the lands that the Republic of Texas owned became state-owned land. They did not revert back to the federal government. 
And so that's the reason why if there's leasing, the leasing is on state land, it's not on federal land in Texas. So I can see President Biden doing the things, some of the things we need to do to deal with climate change and global warming, but we need to realize that is going to have an impact, potential impact on the profitability and the viability of the oil and gas industry in Texas. And certainly that what that does in some respects is accelerate what we've talked about before, which is, you know, our, our global energy transition, right? That, that administration or that approach, that policy would uh, accelerate how, we're, how we are approaching energy transition. We see it as being something gradual, but it could happen sooner given the current circumstances, right? Yes, there's this concept out there. Um, 30 years ago, we used to talk about peak oil, worrying about running out of oil, one with the supply peak. Now we're talking about peak demand. One will the demand for crude plateau. And the COVID virus has actually, in some cases, accelerated that. Uh, there are a few oil companies that say, well, we want to hit peak oil for another 30 or 40 years. There are a number of out there that says, no, we may hit peak, hit peak oil as soon as 2030 or 2035. Hmm. So it has definitely accelerated it. We saw an impressive increase in GDP in the third quarter, Patrick, but given the rise in new cases, what are we likely to see in terms of GDP in the fourth quarter as you see it? Well, as you said, it was impressive. It's a little bit confusing when you look at the GDP numbers. The number that got reported out was 33.1%. That doesn't mean GDP grew 33.1%. That was an annualized rate, meaning that if GDP continues to grow at the rate for a full year, it would be a 33.1% increase. Actually, GDP rose about 7.4% from the second quarter to the third quarter. I mean, that, that's not insignificant. That's $1.3 trillion. $1 trillion is still a big number. Right. Uh, but, but we still remain $670 billion below where we were in the first quarter. And if we hadn't had the virus and if we'd continued to grow at, at, at the pace we had been growing, we'd actually be $930 billion above where we are right now. If you look at the polls, we're seeing a gross slowing. Part of the growing is the polls of the economists and what I'm looking at in the data. Growth is slowing, slowing partially because of the, the wearing off the stimulus, partially because of the impact of the second wave of the COVID virus. But we probably won't see the U.S. GDP get back to, to pre-COVID levels until the end of next year. All right. Thanks, Patrick. We'll get right back to the conversation. But first, I'd like to acknowledge our sponsor, Bayou Business Download is made possible by PNC Bank, which is proud to support the Greater Houston Partnership. PNC believes that giving back to their customers, their employees, and our community is the right thing to do. Visit pnc.com slash about us to learn more. The PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., all rights reserved. Patrick, switching to the national jobs picture, where are we today with the recovery of jobs lost earlier this year? And what industries are faring better or worse? Well, we uh, are seeing a, a bit of a slowdown in job growth. We lost close to 22 million jobs at the height of the pandemic. Uh, we've added them back. Right now, we are about 10 million jobs shy of where we were in February. In September, we added 661,000 jobs in the U.S. In October, only 638,000 jobs. And so we are, are, are seeing um, a slowdown in job growth. That's a real concern. If you look at the last three recessions, it's taken longer and longer with each recession to recoup the jobs we've lost. And the 1991 recession, it took us 24 months to get back to the previous employment level. And the 0102 recession, the one associated with 9-11 and in Houston with Enron, it took us 39 months to get back. 
in the uh, 0809 recession, it took us 59 months to recoup all the jobs. So that's a real concern. Uh, what we're seeing is we're, we're seeing job growth in the sectors which are, are, are not affected by the COVID, the ones that don't require social distancing. It's the story remains the same. We're still seeing growth in areas in, in the professional service areas. We're seeing growth in things associated with housing construction and, and so forth. We're not seeing growth in manufacturing related energy. We're not seeing growth in the energy industry. We're not seeing growth in mining. It's the same sort of thing which is happening in Houston. Okay. In, in your most recent analysis, you took a look at consumer behavior and its impact on the recovery. What did you find there? It's interesting. Uh, people are getting more uh, comfortable with wearing a mask. And, and that's so important. Uh, there was a survey that was done by National Geographic. It was done in July and done in October. Hmm. And, and back in July, they're asking, uh, how often do you wear a mask or do you wear a mask when you go out in public, either a, a medical mask or non-medical mask of some sort? And only 60% of the adults would wear a mask in public in July. And in October, that's gone up to 74%. What I think is going on there, I think that more people are starting to, well, for one thing, the, the news reports continue to go across. And as the pandemic wears on, more and more people know someone who has come down with the virus. Yeah. And so it's, it's not something which is uh, abstract, but something real. Personally, in my life, I know six people have come down with the virus. Mm. And uh, there's a neighbor down the street, I didn't know him well, but there's a neighbor down the street who passed away from the virus. So it's no longer just statistics for me. Right. It's people I know, guy who I used to wave to when I take my walk in the evening. Right. No longer there. No, it's, it's, it's impactful. And, you know, I had a friend that was just 40 years old living in Florida and uh, he got sick in July and uh, passed away a couple months later. And it just, it's incredible when you think about the people that you think are healthy, right? That, you, that don't necessarily have these comorbidities that are often discussed, but they are still fighting the virus and in some cases uh, losing that battle, which is, which is terribly unfortunate. And, and to kind of go back to the original part of the question, people are still not comfortable going out. I mean, there was, there was a study that was done by Pew and it looked at uh, 62% of the people out there are not comfortable going to a mall. 67% of the people in the survey aren't comfortable going on vacation. 75% of the people in the survey aren't comfortable going to a movie. And until we get that comfort level, which is going to be more mask wearing and eventually this vaccine that we've been hearing about in the news lately, it's going to weigh down on the economy and it's going to affect the fatality rate, morbidity. Yeah, and that, that's a particularly concerning, obviously, for retailers, given that we're going into the holiday season, right? Yes, and, and the thing is, unfortunately, there's still, I think people are, are hopeful about the vaccine that came out, but there's still a certain amount of reluctance to take the vaccine, this concern that it was rushed through the process and worried about the secondary effects. Now, the, the data is a, a little bit old. as The survey was done back in September, but there's another Pew survey that said that uh, only 21% of the people in the survey would definitely get the vaccine. 30% said they probably would. So you're looking at about half the population out there said they probably or definitely would get the vaccine when it's available and half said they wouldn't. And that has really long-term implications for this, this economy, for this society. Yeah, I think it's an uphill battle for the public health community to really talk through why something that eventually is released is effective and should be taken, right? We, we, faced, this, we faced this battle before with the flu vaccine, but, but now we're facing it in a, in a very crunched time period and, and folks need to be able to take it seriously. You made the comment about the flu vaccine. And I remember early on when people were talking about, well, this may be just like the flu. 
Well, you know, as I said, so far in the U.S., we've had 241,000 deaths during this outbreak. Yeah. In the worst flu pandemic of the last 10 years, we only had 70,000 people die. So this is more than three times worse than the flu. If, if, if right. anybody's still trying to hold on to that old concept. Patrick, we often cite data and analysis from the Perriman Group, a Texas-based think tank. What does their latest report tell us about how the Houston economy will finish the year and what 2021 actually holds? Now, I really like, just so you know, I really like Perriman's data because he's, he's based in Waco. Yeah. And he looks at the whole state, so he doesn't have any, uh, he's not predisposed to judge one metro against uh, better than the other. <laughs> That's I, a good I, thing. I do have, since I am here in Houston and I'm a native Houstonian, I do have a little bit of a Houston bias that I have to correct for, but Perryman's just straight up. Right. Uh, one of the things, Perryman is looking at GDP. He thinks GDP in Houston will decline by about $25 billion this year. That's a drop of a little less than 5%. Uh, GDP will add about $21 billion next year which shows it will still be at least at the end of next year, 4 billion short and in, in overall economic activity. Uh, his forecast for job losses this year are 138,000 for Metro Houston with gains of about 77,000 next year. I'll, I'll let you know, that's probably one area that I don't fully agree with Perryman on. Uh, if we are going to only lose 138,000 jobs this year, that means we need to add about 70,000 jobs over the next three months. Never in Houston's history have we added 70,000 jobs in the last three months of the year. Yeah, I, 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 I suspect we're still going to end up the year with 150, 160, 170,000 losses. We'll finish up this year 170,000, probably 150, 170,000 short of where we began the year at. Right. Got it. So, Patrick, after that, what are you seeing actually right now with regard to the jobs picture as it stands today in mid-November? Well, we added 24,000 jobs in September. That's the latest month for which we have data. We won't get the October data until the, the Friday before Thanksgiving. But that says we've recovered about 142,000 jobs. We've got about 207,000 left to go to get back to where we were prior to the pandemic. September's gains came in, in areas we expected. They came in, uh, in education, like school districts, universities, community colleges, education services, some in bars and restaurants, but we didn't see widespread growth across all the sectors. That's a, a little bit of a concern. Mm. Uh, we, we saw losses in healthcare. We saw losses in finance for the first time. We saw losses in wholesale trade, that category arts and entertainment. And so we saw some job gains, but we're not seeing the broad job gains. And, and that need to let you know, that's something I'm looking into real hard right now is where the growth is going to be in 2021, doing a lot of analysis, talking to a lot of people, reading a lot of reports. I'm saying this because uh, the listeners need to know on December 8th, the partnership's going to be issuing its forecast for 2021, and I'll be presenting the outlook by industry for the, the nine-county region. Uh, if you want to hear that, you need to go to our website, houston.org, go to the events page. If you're a member, you can sign up for free. If you're not a member, it's only 25 bucks, and you will get a copy of the forecast, not just my presentation, but you'll get the hard copy document that you can use to work with for your planning for next year. And it's always something the Houston business community looks forward to is getting that analysis from you. Patrick, one thing I want to I want to unpack a little bit is what I heard you say a minute ago is there are certain sectors that are just now beginning to see significant declines in employment, perhaps a residual effect of the virus. Is that is that what you're saying? I wouldn't say it's, it's significant declines, but things are, are still, there's so much uncertainty out there. And part of it is there's just some noise in the data. Okay. Because the data is based on a survey of employers and there's been so much 
uncertainty, so many people not in the office, so many things happening. I'm not real comfortable saying what happened in September. I'm more comfortable saying what happened in August because the data gets revised every month. Yeah. And so the October, the numbers I gave you for September were gonna, are going to be revised when we get the October data. Gotcha. So we need to wait, see how this evens out uh, yes. over time. All right. Patrick, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. AJ, I always enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to the day when rather you're in your house and I'm in my house, but we're sitting in the studio at the Partnership Tower recording these. Looking forward to it too. I really wish we could get back to that space. But uh, for now, this is, this is where we are to stay safe. And that's it for this episode of the Bayou Business Download. Thanks again to PNC Bank for helping make this podcast possible. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so by visiting the podcast page on houston.org. You'll also find links to recent data and news updates, as well as an opportunity to sign up for Patrick's forecast, as you mentioned earlier, happening on December 8th. Please continue to follow the directives from local officials and health experts. And thanks again for listening to Bayou Business Download.